Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft. How are you doing, Josh? I am doing wonderful, Britain. How is your morning? It's been actually pretty intense. I had a really interesting divination session with an ancestor of mine. There were tears. I was moved. <laughs> that's how you know it's good. That is how you know it's good. Yeah, that's how you know it's real and that spirit is speaking. Um, so that's kind of been my morning, just sipping some tea. It's overcast here, a little snowy, cozy. It's very much a transitional period right now, I think, for a lot of us, not just kind of with this season right now. I know that those of you who are listening right now are a little bit ahead of us because currently right now we are still in November when we are recording. But uh, you'll be hearing this probably in the March time. But yeah, it is definitely kind of a transitional period. Did did they give you any good advice that's going to help you on your way, hopefully? <laughs> so it was weird. I don't tend to communicate with my ancestors with tarot. I actually prefer to communicate with them in dream time and or in dreams. This morning, um, I was communicating with a recently deceased ancestor and I what I did was is I spread my cards out face up. They were all up. And I was like, I know you don't know about tarot, but I'm going to let you look at the cards and you pick the cards that you think best represent a good communication to me. And then I I was like, Mm -hmm. I'll just figure it out from there. So I shuffled my love that. Yeah. So I like let her look. It's a grandmother's ancestor i let her look at the cards and then i pulled them back together shuffled them laid them down and it was perfect i was like this is my mama (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that yeah it was really beautiful i have some potentially major life transitions coming up here so really leaning in on ancestors and stuff right now yes let them support you they know there's nothing that you are going to go through that they haven't already been through. So right. they're wonderful people to really lean on. Mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. How's your morning? Ooh, girl, my morning. <laughs> <laughs> I have recently had an influx of new followers on my Instagram, which is wonderful. I love having each and every one of you, you know, follow me there and keep up to date with things. However, with new people definitely comes an influx of DMs. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. As of this morning, I will simply say, That if a worker promises or guarantees to make your dick bigger with a spell, do not give them hundreds of dollars to do so. That is the moral of this morning's DMs, is me trying to talk with somebody and let them know that they have been scammed so hard. So always remember that when it comes to witchcraft and any sort of spiritual work, that your brain is your most, I was going to say most best, your, your bestest? Words are hard. Oh, yeah. Um, is your greatest weapon. Your brain is your greatest weapon. So definitely, definitely pull out the old noggin, especially when things, you know what, just don't seem right. That just don't seem right. I mean, spell work to make your ding dong bigger. Just mm, red flags. 
No, I mean, I understand how people can see the temptation, but that's just not how this works. No, it's not how it works. Mm. And any worker who guarantees things like weight loss (laughs) or like a bigger ding dong or things or I'll cure your herpes or right. Oh, yeah. The good old Mm -hmm. I'll cure your herpes uh, comments on your on our posts like that happens a lot. Like Dr. So-and-so cured my herpes with. It's like, this isn't how magic works, y'all. And none of these people went to medical school. Why are we calling them doctor? Right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am sorry that I'm happy for you for all the new followership, but how frustrating. Sometimes the DMs can get a little wackadoodle. You know, the DMs are, are always wild, but you know what? They're never boring, so I will take it. Oh, yeah, that's fun. So... What are we chatting about today? We are talking about the divination. And I think you really got us off to a great start with that story about your spread this morning, because mm-hmm. I think it I think it really encompasses something that I think is important when it comes to divination, and that's the willingness to adapt or go off book. And I think we'll dive into that a little bit later. But I think we should start off, of course, with the ultimate question is, what even is divination? Great question. And you know, it's these simple questions that sometimes I draw a complete blank. What even is divination? I think, in short, my personal definition would be looking at signs and symbols and kind of divining from therein and seeing how it relates to your own personal symbology and your connection to certain symbols and what they mean. So, for example, like with dream interpretation, If a snake were to bite me in my dream, it would be a great sign. I'd be like, hell yeah, bite me. For somebody else, that might be like the worst dream omen ever. So it's like your own sacred language and finding out what that is. That's interesting. So for you personally, so what what do the snakes represent? Why would that be a good one for you personally? They represent a connection to a specific goddess that I work with. And Uh yeah, and so to me, okay, I might dive off into a tiny tangent here. I'm very influenced by this writer and occultist, Nikolai Matos Frisvold. I hope that I said his name right. He's Norwegian. And he has this quote in a book, and I forgot which book it is. I think it's actually his book on Eshu that he wrote uh, within the tradition of Kimbanda. But he was talking about alchemicizing poison. And how we allow poison to, and and this is me not quoting him, this is paraphrasing. We allow the poison into our body and we're able to like alchemicize it and like adapt to it. So for me, it's very Mm. symbolic of like that poison or venom rather, and being able to transform it with alchemy. I love that. Kind of like that metabolizing lessons, sort of integrating that wisdom, even though. And sometimes, too, when we get downloads or or when we receive new wisdom from, you know, wherever, sometimes it can be very uncomfortable at first. And then you have to kind of let it work its way through you in, in order to kind of integrate the lessons, understand what its meaning is. And at least for me, a lot of the times, it's, it can be very uncomfortable at first. But then once you sit with it for a while and really let it do its thing, it really does change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What is divination to you? What is your definition? I have been trying to think of how to explain this all morning. 
I'll, I'll give it my best shot. I might lose most of you. As you'll come to find, I love a good mixed metaphor. So here we go. So I think there are kind of two different kinds of divination. And in order to, to kind of guide you down this path, we must first work with the idea that we are all inside a giant computer program right now. So don't run away. Stay with me. Stay with me. Essentially, we are all in the matrix. And this is something that like as physics keeps going, we start to realize that our world really does function like a computer program. Um, so it's, it's very, it's, it's highly likely this is all a simulation and therefore witches are simply hackers, but that's a whole different episode. Um, so there's programming at work that is dictating what will happen next, what, and there's also, um, you know, records within that data and that programming that say what has happened or what is currently happening. And as that data sort of arranges itself and comes through, then our world cannot help but respond to it. And so there are two ways to kind of access this data, because if we can access this data, then we can see what, what happened, what is happening, and we can also get a glimpse of, as of now, what the programming says will happen. So one form of divination is going to be your passive divination. This is just casually noticing the signs that the programming, that are reflecting the program. And this can be anything. This can be how birds fly in a formation. This can be how many magpies you see on the side of the road. This can be um, how many pennies you found in the parking lot. You know, this, these are things that just naturally reflect that programming that is happening around us. And if you are able to see and then interpret these very normal symbols around us, then you can get an idea for what is happening with the programming. And that will let us know you know, what might happen or, or what is happening, or otherwise they'll, they'll give us some you know, some signs, symbols, and be able to interpret what's happening. Now, the other kind is kind of more of an active divination in which you are kind of opening a panel and looking at the data. And those things require keys. Now, just about anything can be a key. It can be runes. It can be tarot. It can be tea leaves. It can be one of my most favorite examples of divination is in uh, American Horror Story Coven when they're doing the Seven Wonders and the Divination Challenge, they just have a cup full of pebbles that they just throw out onto a table and they have to tell them things like, where is this item hidden in the house? And I love that because it really doesn't matter what you use. It's just as long as you have a key, whatever that is, you can access that data. I hope this makes sense. It does. This is really cool. And honestly, I'm like, wow, your explanation and description of what divination is, is so much more clear than mine. (laughs) Like this, it feels very Virgo moon. I'm like, this is so thorough. Oh yeah. My, my Virgo intensity is coming out right now because it's so important to understand because people really get wrapped up in, um, in doing it, you know, by the book, doing it correctly. And they don't see it as simply, it's just a key to get you into there. So when I teach tarot, oh God, I hate teaching tarot because I always try and be like, you know, just, you know, forget about what, you know, the book says this means, you know, look at this card. What do you see in it? And everyone locks up and goes, well, I don't know what it's supposed to mean. And I'm like, well, what are you seeing? That's more important than what the book says. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something too, that I see you do when you do your, your Instagram tarot reading sometimes is sometimes you, you really do go by the book, but then in other cases you can just tell that like, you're like, Mm-mm, spirit is telling me that, 
that this means something different today Mm -hmm. or in this moment, this means something different. And I think that's really important to be able to realize that divination is not just memorizing what symbols mean. Mm -hmm. It's really tapping into that force or that data or however you want to look at it and seeing what it's saying in that moment. Right. Yeah. Being able to catch spirit through with divination, like say you're reading cards, that's a skill that develops over time. And I think the more you practice tarot, like having a daily tarot practice will really allow you to develop that language with spirit over time. But I also think it's helpful to get that those foundational like, you know, wands is fire and associated with expansion and growth, etc. And then cups is about the heart and water and movement and flow. And those are mm-hmm. important. But then being able to, like, create your own associations with specific cards is really helpful. Like, for me, the tower, I some folks want to run when they see the tower, but I'm like, oh, hell no, here it is. Here's the lightning bolt. We're going to break down these structures. We're going to build something. Knock new. it down. <laughs> yeah. And then even like the three of swords, I pulled that recently for a matter. And I was like, I, I always get the panic. The panic pops up and I'm like, oh shit. It means that my love life is going to shit. And I was like, no, actually I'm mourning the loss of something. I, mm-hmm. And yeah, I am like, I have been actively grieving around a situation in my life. And so I was like, oh, that's what that means. It doesn't mean immediate doom and gloom. It means you're moving through grief. And the only way, yes. like, sorry, now I'm starting to get into tarot interpretation. <laughs> okay, let's get back on track. No, but it's it's good, though. And I think you do bring up something that's important is not to doom read all the time. And it's something that I struggle with, you know, as a person with anxiety, I'm like, I'll get like the three of cups and like the 10 of cups and I'll be like, we're all going to die. But no, <laughs> it's totally fine. Right. You got to You got to remember not to doom read because there's no bad information. It's just information and what you do with it. It's simply feedback and data and info. Right. Yeah. Avoiding catastrophizing, like just because we see the nine of swords or the seven of swords doesn't mean that everything's going to shit. It means like, Hey, why don't we examine some of our limiting beliefs? You know? Absolutely. Well, and I find too, that phrasing your question for the divination really is what helps to avoid the dooms, the the doom reading, because, you know, say you're, you're in a rocky relationship. Well, don't ask questions that you don't want the answer to. So instead of asking, will we break up? Maybe ask, what steps can I take to make this a healthier relationship or, you know, something like that. So your phrasing can be so important. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. One of my favorite ways to phrase something, if you're going through a challenge is how can I best be? It's so very simple. Mm -hmm. Like how can I best conduct myself or with the situation instead of projecting onto the situation like bring it inside and be like okay how can i do this i love that i love that and then something we'll probably come back to on this podcast you know overall is just coming back to simple can always be better or simple can always be very powerful even when we don't think it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so josh i have a question for you Mm -hmm. okay um what methods of divination do you employ because i know that you do things beyond just tarot. 
I do. It really kind of depends on the day. I'm very much into using whatever is around because again, we have to remember like all types of witchcraft or spiritual practice that there is something beneath the cards or something beneath the runes. There's kind of like, it's, it's almost like underground water, if you will. And tarot and runes and things like that are, are kind of wells that it comes up through. But some of us can, well, I, I guess all of us to a certain extent, I don't, I don't pretend to have the authority to say who can and can't, but um, the ability to kind of dive under the surface and just kind of join that stream can be really important. So I am, I am a tarot reader by trade. Um, it is what I, what I offer. Uh, but in my daily life, I will use all kinds of stuff. If I'm really, <laughs> if I'm really in a mood, I'll um, crunch up some black peppercorns and clear a table and just scatter it on there wow, and see that is, what happens. That's so cool. I've never thought of doing that. Where there's a bunch of like kind of old, old methods. Some things that I really like is I can't really scry with a crystal ball. I've never been good at that. I, I need some sort of, I need to be able to see images in something that's not just clear. Um, I need to be able to pick them up. So I'll use things like the bottom of a frying pan or um, a cutting board with all the lines and slashes through it. Or um, even what's kind of interesting is if you go out, you know, in, in the woods, sometimes you'll find boulders that are just covered in like scratches or, or, you know, little nicks and cracks and things like that all over it. I call it boulder scrying. I'll just stare at it for a while until I see a picture or something like that. So again, it's, it's just figuring out where the keys are to access that data. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be a standardized form of divination. It's just knowing how to crack open a door or a window for it. I love that. Yeah. Another thing that you or a thing that you reminded me of was whenever I go hiking, I like to look at how sticks are laying on the ground because they almost mm -hmm. always make rune patterns or um, ogum staves, which are these cross-hatched patterns that were are related to trees in like old Celtic language. I don't know if that's a good description or not, but I love looking at the pattern of sticks and leaves on the ground. Absolutely. And see, that kind of goes back to this sort of passive divination idea where nothing happens randomly, right? Everything has to reflect the greater programming around us. Those sticks falling down onto the ground didn't just fall randomly. They fall in accordance to a program. And if you can then look at them and interpret what that program is doing in, you know, the signs that you see or the symbols that you see, then you can see what's happening kind of underneath everything. That's beautiful. I really love that description of divination that you've given us. And, and I definitely learned something today. That was really cool. But what what is it that you use a lot? I know that you've been talking about bones lately, and I'm really fascinated. Yes. So, well, first I started reading tarot about... 12 years ago, I bought my deck. Guess what, everyone? You can buy your own deck and be a great tarot reader. There's a myth, and this is a question I get in my DMs all the time, is I heard that you can't buy your own, your own tarot deck. You have to be gifted your tarot deck. That is a lie. Wait, so you're saying that the devil didn't come and get you when you bought your own tarot deck? <laughs> they didn't revoke your witch card or... Wow, that who knew? Right? Who knew? I know. I am a certified witch in the eyes of the devil. 
Truly. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. True. You got so, you got to go there. Oh yeah, we're going to go there. Um so yes, I do use tarot. Uh it's one of my favorites. Still have my original Rider Waite deck. I am a Rider Waite fan. I also use another deck by Usi Design Studio called the Pagan Otherworlds. It's just a great deck. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And it's straight to the point. Uh and yes, very visually beautiful. And I also employ bones i have a bone throwing set and this is a topic for another episode but i did sell my soul to the devil no big deal to be a good bone reader (laughs) just a little bit of devilry right because this is if this podcast is real old school this podcast is traditional for sure yeah and so sometimes you know you gotta you got to make some deals. You got to do some things. Um, and we'll definitely talk about that on another episode. But, you know, you, you remember, this is not all about just candles and glitter. Nope. And it's not all love and light, y'all. Sometimes you got to go to the crossroads and you just got to make a deal. So I do an, an interesting combination with bones and cards. I lay cards out and I throw bones on top of them and interpret from there. And the way that that works um, for folks who are interested is I lay the cards, throw the bones, and depending on the configuration of the bones and how, let's say, for example, a crow's wing bone lands in the hand of the king of wands, I would associate that with mercurial messages, receiving a message or something like that, and it, like being in your hands. So that's kind of an example of how I would interpret But beyond cards and bones, it's a lot like what you do, Josh. Like, sometimes I look in the bottom of my cup of tea. Sometimes I look at the birds. I actually do a lot. I haven't really thought about this like consciously, but I pay attention to birds a lot. And I love that you brought up magpies earlier because I have been having some really weird experiences with magpies. Really? Like what? Yeah. Just like they keep showing up everywhere. I have had dreams about them. I discovered that there's a saint associated with magpies. She's a bit obscure. Saint Oda. Oh, I love that. I think that she's a Scot- Scottish saint. And then I got a astrology reading recently. And my reader, while she was doing the recording, she was like, oh, she's like a She's like, no animals ever come to my window, but she's like, a black and white bird just showed up at my window. She's like, that's for you. <laughs> like, you little shit. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I found it. I was actually in a coaching yesterday where I was coaching this girl who was like, you know, I'm not really into plants and herbs and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, well, what are you into? And she's like, well, I'm into birds. And I'm like, well, bird witchcraft is a whole thing. And I was telling her about um, an old form of divination called the magpie method. And there's a rhyme that goes with it. And I just looked it up and I just found it. I couldn't remember it for her yesterday, but I just found it. It's the, the way that, that this goes is it's normally the number of magpies that you see generally on the side of the road. But I guess, you know, if they're in your front yard or whatever, and it's counting the number of them means something. Mm-hmm. And the rhyme goes one for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy, five for silver and six for gold, seven for a secret, never to be told, eight for a wish, nine for a kiss. 10 for a bird you must not miss. Wow, I love that. Isn't that weird? Uh-huh. And then you can 
you know, do that divination by just simply counting magpies. It's everywhere. Wow. Yes, we have tons of magpies here in Eastern Oregon. And um, they don't tend to hang out by my house, but I'll hear them. I'll hear them like rattling around and on the gutters and like doing their squawk and whatnot. I, I did have a very weird experience, though. I was just walking and hiking in the sagebrush out here and sagebrush communities are just pure magic, like all sorts of spirits out there. And I saw this magpie roosting in a sagebrush and was kind of like flapping around and sort of making this scene. And so I just stood there mesmerized because I, I like to stare at birds. And right next to it was like this cross that somebody had stuck in the ground. I don't know if they had like buried a creature or whatnot, but that was around the time that I had just done research on St. Oda, uh, who was connected to magpies. And I was like, what's going on? Still figuring it out, but it was kind of a strange experience being like this magpie showed me a cross. That is interesting, especially right after, you know, you had just kind of got in touch with that saint. And, you know, I know from, you know, some experience that uh, saints that are lesser known tend to be real eager to get in touch with people because, you know, like Joseph and, you know, St. Jude and Michael and all them, they're, you know, the, the highlight ones that everyone kind of runs to. And so a lot of the times these kind of further removed lesser known saints are bored as hell. And so when people come over and are like, hey, I need help, they're like, yes, like, I'm so excited. So I, I think that's, that's interesting. I like that. Okay, I'm gonna have to do some more research there. I've always been curious about working with saints, although I don't come from like a Catholic background, but I've always loved Mary Magdalene. And the mm. Magdalene as a saint, I used to, we weren't allowed to celebrate Halloween when I was a child. So we would do like air quotes harvest festival and still dress up and hand out Bible tracts as a kid. Oh my <laughs> Just, God. I know door to door. And I always felt like such a badass because I would always dress as Mary Magdalene. I'd be like, yeah, Mary Magdalene. Yes. Oh God. I can see a tiny Britain as Mary Magdalene. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. So how did you learn how to divine? Like where, when and where did that start for you? So I had always been around tarot. I, I grew up um, with a mother who would read tarot for her friends at our dinner table. So it wouldn't be uncommon for people to come over and my mother to sit, you know, at our family table and light some candles and deal out some cards for people. Ever since I was real little, um, the tarot had always been around. I had always been um, familiar with the concept and, you know, had done some tarot polls and, you know, used the book to do the, to do the interpreting. But it wasn't until about 10 years or so ago that I just decided that I was going to throw the book away and just start reading tarot. And... <laughs> I kind of approach it like I approach sewing. I don't really know how to sew. I just refuse to fail and I have a sewing machine. So um, basically, I just got a deck of tarot cards and I had a friend who would come to me for readings and I just started dealing out cards in random patterns and telling her what I saw. And it was pretty much always on point, like eerily accurate. And so when people come to you and say like, oh, you have to read the book, like you have to know the specific interpretation and meaning of each card, which that does help. 
it does help. And I think that we need both. But I think too many people go too far into the book direction that they lose the ability to um, kind of access their own tuition, their own intuition through it. Uh, Mm -hmm. So for me learning, it was just, I just threw myself into the water and hoped that at one point I would begin swimming. And luckily I did. And I know that that doesn't totally work for everybody, but I think it's important to really hold on or at least explore that ability to, you know, no matter what the book says, what do I feel when I look at this card? You know, when I look at these symbols. Right. Yes. Yeah. You had said something earlier about doing tarot interpretation and I, yeah, I wanted to mention that. It's like, what do you feel? If you don't know the meaning of the card, just tap into your feelings. Like, is this card making you anxious? Is this card making you feel joy? Is it reminding you of like a past memory? Like go there. Don't think that you, it should just like drop. I mean, sometimes it drops into your brain. But don't feel that you need to immediately have the answer. Sometimes you have to just feel into it slowly. And sometimes, too, what jumps out of the card will contradict the quote unquote right, you know, interpretation of what the card is. So not that long ago, I was doing a reading for somebody who she was kind of in the middle of a witch war with some with some girl. And one of the cards that I pulled was the Empress to see what was going on, because she was like, I'm doing all these reversals and stuff like that. Nothing is happening. And I pulled the Empress, which is a card that I'm normally very familiar with, you know, and those of us who know the tarot means, you know, the Empress is a very, you know, loving motherly card. It has a lot to do with, you know, fertility and abundance and all this stuff. But that day I noticed something that I'd never noticed and that she has this big metal shield sitting next to her feet. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like the, the person that you're dealing with here has just like major protections on them. And that is not something I would have ever normally pulled out as an interpretation of the Empress card. But sometimes new things jump out to you. Even, even if you've been staring at this card for years, sometimes you're like, Oh my God, I never knew that the weather in the background of this car of this card was so chaotic or um, like in the six of swords on one side of the boat, the water's choppy and on the other side of the boat, it's smooth. And of course this is all from the standard rider weight. You know, some tarot decks differ, but that's also a thing too. Your tarot decks will from card to card and from deck to deck have different meanings. So one decks five of swords and another decks five of swords might not be the same or might not give you the same message. Hmm. I love that about the Empress. And I was going to interrupt you, but I was like, no, I just keep yourself quiet. Because I was like, I know where this is going. The, the Empress is a powerful, like super powerful bitch. Yes. If she wants to be. And yes, we do look at the Empress as a benevolent mother figure archetype type thing. But yeah, that shield. And it's those little tiny things you know, that we notice, like one of my favorite things in the death card is the tiny, tiny boat that's traveling along the river. And a lot of the times I pull death for folks who are needing to go on some kind of like ancestral healing journey that actually happened recently um, with a client of mine. Uh, She was like really thinking about taking off and like going overseas to like connect with like long distance ancestors. And I was like, yup, there's your little boat. Go get on board. I love that little boat. Sometimes it's really is just the details. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. 
this is slightly off topic, but I have the Day of the Dead tarot. Uh, it's, it's no longer in print, I don't think, but it's it's Mexican style. And so it's done instead of like the normal suits, it has like revolvers and wheels and pens and things like that. Um, but the death card, the, the whole deck is, oh, it's it's the tarot of the dead is what it's called. But the whole deck is skeletons except for death. Death is a pregnant woman. Oh, I got chills. I know. Right. When I first came across it, I was like, <gasps> but also it's so perfect. That is, is so beautiful. Perfect. Just from one space transitioning into the other is really what death is. Wow. Oh, my God. So do we want to talk about myths about divination? Yes, we already talked about one, which is uh, the this idea that you have to um, purchase your own tarot deck and or you have you have to. I always put it backwards. Me too. The myth is that you have to have your first tarot deck gifted to you. And this is untrue. People freak out about it, get really scared about it. But if you need to purchase your own your first tarot deck, feel free to. Right. There's not a rule around that and a lot of folks have anxiety about it they're like wanting to learn tarot they're like but oh but i can't buy my own tarot deck i have to wait until somebody gifts me one i'm like no go forth go buy your tarot deck and become a professional tarot reader if you want some of the most talented professional tarot readers um, that i have experienced are folks who are new to the cards because they have that beginner mind and they're not all caught up with the whole like, oh, I must learn the traditional meetings and everything. Um, I've been working with someone recently who's who's kind of new to tarot. And I had a powerful reading with them because they were able to just like go through the feeling and the symbology of it. But yeah, really, yeah, just kick that myth out the door. You do not have to be gifted your tarot deck in order to be a valid tarot reader. And I think that's important, too, that you talk about how um, how helpful that beginner mind can be, because I think in a lot of this work, whether it's tarot or casting spells or whatever, people have a tendency to not want to be a beginner. Everyone wants to be a master. Everyone wants to be a voodoo queen. Everyone wants to, you know, be the next supreme. But really taking time to be a beginner and it can be very powerful because you have fresh eyes on it. You have this openness that mm-hmm. kind of eventually goes away. And that's true for most things in life. But really being able to embrace that beginner mind in divination is, is so important because you need that wonder. You need that awe. You need that, um, that openness. Right. Yep. Be the fool. Don't be afraid to be the fool. For real. <laughs> the fool is one of the most powerful cards in the tarot, in my opinion, because they're zero. They float outside the bounds of tarot and they journey through the entire suit and the deck and whatnot. But yeah, they kind of have this like invincible beginner foolishness power about them. And a lot of folks have negative, there's like a negative connotation around being a fool. And I don't, I don't personally, that's not my, my own belief. I think the fool is very wise in their foolishness. Exactly. And they will experience and learn things that most people never will because of this foolishness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the fool is just unbridled potential just out there waiting to be made into something or to discover something or, you know, so I, I agree. The fool is a very powerful card. 
I read a really beautiful book that someone recommended to me. Actually, I listened to it on audiobook. It's called The Alchemist. I forgot the name of the author, but it's a beautiful story about a fool's journey, essentially, and all the experiences gained from just taking that fool's path in life. It's by Paulo Coelho. Thank you. Yes, I love that book. Um, That was actually given to me by a very influential teacher of mine in high school uh, at graduation. She gave it to me. Uh, It was a very important book. That's beautiful. I love that. So what other kind of myths are there in divination? I'm trying to think of some, but I'm drawing a blank. It's just that big one that like, you can't buy your own tarot deck. Well, a lot of the times people think that all forms of divination open a portal. And this is true to some extent. I don't like the term portal here because I feel it's misleading. We open a channel. And depending on what it is that you're using, the size of the channel differs. So people are worried, like I come across people sometimes who are like, I wanted to, you know, get a pendulum, but will I get possessed if I use a pendulum? Or will this, you know, invite spirits into my house? And again, kind of like we were talking earlier about phrasing your questions, it really does depend on how you use it. But if you're just trying to get yes, no information from your pendulum about like, you know, I don't know what an example would be, you know, does he like me or not? You know, whatever your, your question is for the pendulum, you're, you're not opening a giant portal. However, if you are using your, your pendulum and to try and contact the dead and you're not specific and you say, is there anything out there that wants to communicate, then you are opening a giant channel. And that's kind of some of the problems that we have with the Ouija board. You know, a Ouija board is a divinatory tool. And of course it's not It's not that the tool itself is an issue. It's the method of use. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want people to think that every time they throw down a few tarot cards that they are opening a portal to the other side. Now, of course, that being said, we need to specify who it is that we are asking to answer us when we do divination. You know, if, if we are asking, you know, what will happen tomorrow? Who is it that you're asking? You know, I think that's something that's important, whether it's your ancestors or your guides or your higher self or, you know, a deity that you work with, whatever it is, just simply having an idea of who you are asking the question to. Can yeah, be important. that is so very wise. That's not really something I've thought about opening portals. I think because I'm just doing witch work all the damn time and i'm already like got a foot in the other world and i'm just like portals fucking open <laughs> right <laughs> you know, this like, is how we do it around here no, I feel yep. <laughs> yeah and i'm just like yeah spirit i hear you knocking not right now please just let me take a nap in peace but yeah i don't think it, it's like some folks do feel yeah like will i get possessed by the devil am i inviting the devil in my house by u- using tarot cards and it's like hmm Depends on how you use it, but probably not. It's yeah. If you ask the devil to answer you through the tarot cards, then probably. But if you're not, then you're usually okay. Yeah, and a lot of the times, the questions that we're bringing to you know tools of divination um, that we utilize, you know, very often have to do with like life situations. Yeah, does he like me? Does she like me? Is my marriage falling apart? I don't know why I'm being kind of doom and gloom. <laughs> 
these are just some common questions that I, I think a lot of readers receive as like relationship stuff. But what it does, I think for me is like opens up pathways, shows possibility and allows us to kind of weave our own fate because that is what witches do. They mm-hmm. are able to weave their own fate. Absolutely. You know, we were talking about that programming earlier. And so when we do the divination, we can kind of see what is happening with the programming. And then from there, we can edit it as necessary. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Just because you get a bad card. So say, for example, you have pulled the nine of swords. You can turn that shit around. Like you don't have to just accept it. Um, and let's say, for example, someone's gossiping about you. You've got a seven of swords situation. Somebody's running away with your energy. Tara's letting you know that that's happening and you can do something about it. You don't have to like just let the situation happen. It's a way to be able to navigate. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And there's always time to change it. You know, sometimes, you know, people be like, oh, well, what's the outcome of this situation going to be like? And I'm always like, well, as of now, this is what it is. But that programming is always changing with every decision that we make, with every action that we take, every, you know, step. That programming is adapting and being modified to every choice that we make. Mm -hmm. So, you know, saying that a, a doom reading is guaranteed to happen, it's, it's really not. It's just as of this moment, if we go straight ahead, that is, that is what will happen. But it's very infrequently that we actually do go just straight ahead. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. This was going to be the next thing I wanted to for us to talk about was like the best approaches. But, you know, we are being really tarot focused here. And I want to just share that, like, in my experience of bone reading, I have had deadly accurate situations for folks. Many years ago, I did a reading for someone who was like thinking about uprooting their entire life, moving to another state and like starting a new business and whatnot. And they're like, okay, what does this look like for me? And I was like, I'll be honest with you. It doesn't look good. You're going to have some impacts on your health. And I am very careful about sharing that with folks of being like your health or your mental health. But I was like, it is clear as day. I was like, the best approach here is to just approach with curiosity and slowness. Don't jump into anything too quickly here. Feel it out. Build a foundation. Build a nest egg before you take a giant leap. She didn't listen to me. (laughs) Oh, God. And that's okay. I don't like, I'm not ever like offended or like told you so. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, this is the path you want to take. Let's see what happens. Like, genuine curiosity here, right? Well, health matters came up. Like, when, when she moved, like, all kind of shit hit the fan for her, essentially. And I was like, well, you know, that's- and like, bone reading is. If you're going to be a bone reader, you're going to read bones. It's directly connected to spirit, directly connected to ancestors. It is not like, I mean, the same can happen with tarot, but I feel like tarot has its own built-in foundational system. And with the bones, it's like, oh, it's a hive. Yeah, because the bones don't have a standardized 
this is how you read this. Here's how you read that. You have to connect directly with spirit. And I think that's important. You were talking about, um, you know, not being so tarot focused because, you know, that undercurrent of it is just so much more important than what, you know, the traditional meaning is and being able to tap into that. So whenever I teach divination, I like to start off with things like Rorschach tests, like the inkblot tests, because they're just nonsensical. They don't mean anything, but it's getting people to see symbols in it. And that's kind of like the same thing of like the bone throwing, you know, what kind of bone is it? What does that say to me? What does, how does that feel in this placement, you know, kind of taking you know, so many more things into consideration beyond just, oh, this tarot card means this thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think breaking outside of those real traditional versions of divination can be very helpful for really tapping into that, that real true sight. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that comes with experience of just reading all the dang time. If, if becoming a professional reader is something that interests you, just read for everyone. Read for yourself every day, pull cards, throw bones, read tea leaves, do the whole thing every single day. And you'll start to see it playing out in your life. And like through your days, you'd be like, okay, now I have a new meaning for the six of pentacles. That's not mm-hmm. necessarily connected to like the traditional meaning. I always go back to there was this interview I was watching with Teresa Caputo. Um, she's the Long Island medium. And she's talking about the symbols that spirit will give her. And she's like, she's like, you know, one of my symbols is a horse. And a horse can either mean that they were in the military or it's also my symbol for Rhode Island. And I'm like, and she's like, so I, I sometimes get a little bit confused on that one. And I'm like, that is that is it to a T. Sometimes you're like, why does this horse mean Rhode Island? I don't know. But for some reason, when I look at this horse, I think Rhode Island. Oh, my God, y'all. You didn't see me, but I was back here cracking <laughs> up. <laughs> That's so good. It was my Teresa Caputo. I understand. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That's hilarious. I love it. Yeah, that's about, yeah, kind of like going back to developing your own sacred language with spirit. Like I was saying earlier, snake biting me, thumbs up snake biting somebody else in their dream might be kind of scary, might not be very good. Getting chased by bears is kind of a good sign for me. Scary in my dreams. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Here we go again. (laughs) I would just think it was like a PTSD flashback from Pride like six years ago. Oh, Um, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It'll just, you know, but then again, different symbols mean different things to different people. So it, it kind of getting in tune with seeing the symbols and and learning how that symbol will strike something with, with within you because a lot of the times you know we were talking earlier about you know who's answering the divination a lot of the times it's ourselves because we are using you know the cards or the bones or you know the black pepper that's been spread across the table as a sounding board or like a reflector to like kind of send out our intuition kind of ping off of it gather information and then interpret it ourselves so -hmm. it's almost kind of like you're playing catch with yourself a little bit um but each time you get more information or you kind of think it through if that makes any sense at all (laughs) i'm realizing sometimes i go off on a metaphor um but yeah that that is interesting i was gonna say you did bring up something earlier that was uh interesting where you're talking about being careful about what you tell people and I think that is something that a lot of new readers um, sometimes 
don't always come in because sometimes, you know, you do pull up something in the cards where you're like, wow, like, you know, do, do I know for sure that this is what I'm reading? Things like that. So, you know, whether you're going to tell somebody, you know, either that their marriage is going to end or that their health is going to go bad or things like that, really taking the time to think on that and, you know, how to not only decide what you want to say to them, not to just freak them out, but also how you want to deliver it. I think when it comes to divination, especially when you're doing this as a profession to sort of develop, I call it table side manner, but it's kind of like, you know, when, when you're a doctor, you have your bedside manner. You don't just kind of go like, wow, this looks really serious. You could die, but I don't know what it is. You know, have, having a little bit of, of grace with how and what you deliver. Absolutely. Grace and integrity. And also kind of coming from it with a trauma informed perspective, understand that when a person's coming to you with a reading or you're delivering a reading to a friend or whatnot, it is very vulnerable space. So being able to create a container that of support for that person, if something hard does come up, I mean, I have had folks bawling during Mm -hmm. readings and, you know, I'm, I don't have like, I can be compassionate and have empathy, but I get into my Aquarian side where I'm like, oh, you're crying. Uh, (laughs) Fire signs are just like, stop being sad. (laughs) Right? I'm like, just buckle (laughs) up for the ride, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, it's important to really kind of have that, you know, what you're willing to deliver. Like yesterday, I was doing a very short reading. Someone had ordered a three-card draw to find out what, was happening with their boyfriend and this was a very young person they were like 19 and their boyfriend had like kind of broken up with them but they were still hanging out all the time as like you know best friends and she's like so why can't we just be boyfriend and girlfriend and i pull three cards and i shit you not the tarot was like he gay i knew it i was like i was like oh god but then i'm also like you know what i can't just write that back to her because that's not my place to out this person, right? This is not, I don't know if I tell her that, that she's going to go, oh, okay, I have compassion for this person. Or if she's going to show up and be like, you're gay and like attack him about it or things like that. So it's really important that we, you know, utilize this knowledge judiciously. I think it's, it's important right. to really understand what the impact of what you're telling people may be. Mm-hmm. Yes, especially if you're wanting to become a professional reader, like having a code and core of ethics is very, very important for client and reader relationship. Very important stuff. Well, we've been talking for, gosh, a good hour now about divination. Do we want to cover anything else before we wrap it up? Just briefly about kind of ceremony around divination or getting set up or maybe precautions that you might take? Uh, Is there something that you do kind of every time to either prepare for a a reading? Mm -hmm. So it depends if I'm reading for myself or for a client. So for myself, what I like to do is I knock on my table three times and I call the spirit. Yep. I'm like, spirit, you know, my ancestors, my spirits be here with me now. Um, please bear witness and like aid me in understanding what it is you want me to know. Or I clap three times. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all I do with my personal spirits. I don't I have a spiritual court 
I have about five spirits that I work with very regularly. And maybe somebody would criticize me for this. I don't really hold strong boundaries with them. I want them at my back at all times. Like I Mm want to know that I'm being protected. So I'm just like, yep, y'all just have free reign. (laughs) (laughs) But when it comes to client readings, for example, I had this beautiful reading for a person who had this really strong connection to a cat. They rescued cats. Mm-hmm. And this essentially she wasn't asking me to make contact with her cat, but I did it anyway. And I opened the space by like calling up my spirits and like figuring out which spirit was willing to go and meet with the cat and bring the cat back to me. The cat had passed away. Don't know if I said that already. And she was just looking on how to process her connection to this cat and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, I opened the space in that way, like burning some incense, knocking on my table, figuring out which spirit ally wants to aid me. They go and do the fetching. We do the communication. I mingled with this very feisty little cat. (laughs) <laughs> was a really feisty little dude he was very like nip you know how cats like love nip you uh-huh that's what he was doing he was like love nipping me and then we had our time together i got the information i needed and then i was like okay spirit like my personal spirit was like go on and y'all can just go back to where he came from and then- go on now get <laughs> get get out of here and then i burned some kind of like closing incense just to kind of like be like okay we're we're done here as like a boundary holding that's how i do that what about you i think that's really important especially if you are attempting to either call up or connect with a spirit um it is very important to have the kind of that opening and that closing and i think that's important whether we're saying a prayer but just letting them know when we're starting and when we're ending because then that lets them know i'm gonna need your attention from here to here and otherwise, you know, go on. Because sometimes, you know, these spirits, they, they have stuff to do on the other side. They can't just hang out for hours. But when, when I do mine, um, I like to really cleanse the space first. That's really important for me because anytime I'm doing, uh, you know, spirit work or, or divination or anything like that, I don't want anything hanging around that's going to be lying to me or affecting, you know, what's going on. So I always burn some really cleansing incense. I open up a window. I light a white candle. Um, and in, in my tradition, we set out a glass of water uh, because that's mm. a kind of uh, not only an offering for spirit, but it's also a conduit for spirit, too. Um, so I, you know, I cleanse everything out. I, I get my cards. I run them through the smoke to um, light a candle, set out the water. Um, and then I, I always start by praying. I'll say like a Hail Mary or an Our, Our Father. Um, and if I'm reading for a client... I have them, if, if, if we're in person, I have them shuffle the cards. Um, sometimes people get, get weird and are like, oh, other people can't touch your tarot cards or whatever. I'm like, nah, I want your hands all over this. Um, and while they do that, I try to first see how their energy feels. And then I match my energy to them. Mm. Um, because it's, it's almost like I take their jacket and I put it on. Because then that helps me sort of see through their eyes better. 
and I find I have better results that way. Now, depending on who it is you are reading, you may not want to do that. Um, so just kind of have the the awareness that if you tune in, kind of like, what does this person feel like? And it's just like, <clears throat> then, you know, definitely, definitely just be like, uh, we're just going to leave that over there and we're going to go on without that part. But that's kind of the process that I go through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really important to develop your own process. It's not going to look like mm-hmm. somebody else's process, like my process or Josh's process. Yeah, And you just move through it with time. And sometimes when you start working with spirit, they'll give you instructions about what they want and how they like to have things done. Like, I don't know if I'm just lazy or whatever, but my my spirits are pretty lax with me. They're like, eh, whatever. Get us a glass of water tomorrow. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Because, you know, they'll match us, too. And, like, you know, they, they understand, too, that we are all people. It's like, people come up to me all the time. They're like, they're like what is your, your daily practice with your spirits? And, like, you know, they are thinking that I'm in here just making pies for my spirits every day. And I'm like, I have, I have stuff to do. There are, there are some days where I don't even go into my working space. Like, you know, and they understand that we are human people who need to live human lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, and it is a lot like relationship to spirit is like relationship to other persons or creatures or animals or whatnot that we that we have in our lives. We have to hold boundaries. And sometimes there have been periods of time where I've gone a couple of months without engaging too deeply with spirit. I'll be like, hey, what's up? But I got other things going on right now that I need to be focused on. Love you guys. But yeah, for I'm sure. Busy right now. And they do the same to me. Like sometimes the spirit will be like, I got to go for a little while. And I'm like, all right, just check in. Yeah. <laughs> just let me know you got there safe. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that was a really awesome conversation today with you, Josh, about divination. I learned a lot. I always love talking about this and I always love hearing other people's practices. So thank you for sharing them with me. And hopefully we can start to hear from you guys in the not too distant future and kind of learn what it is that you do as well. Right. You can actually go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash contact and drop some questions for us. If you're curious about anything that we have shared here, and we might be able to answer that in a future episode. And If you would like to support this podcast, please go to invoking witchcraft backslash coven and you can join the coven in a private Facebook groups for discussion around the podcast and witchcraft in general. Yes, definitely come and join our coven, call the quarters with us, and we will continue to be here and spooky as long as you remember to rate, review and subscribe. So always do that and make sure to come back every week. Absolutely. And guess what? Go do witchcraft. Do it. 